seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride illegal trail. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those are is the Chinese are down here. Skiers and snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Pal Bot and Trail Whisper, ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today is October 9th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 22. And by the way, thanks again for listening. Help spread the word. Leave Mind the Track a rating and review, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Got feedback or a core lord we should chat with? Drop us a line at mindthetrackpodcast at gmail.com, at mindthetrack on Instagram, or just go to our website at mindthetrack.com. I am the Trail Whisperer, and beside me is the professor of the the director of the Powder Intelligence Agency in the United Shredders of Snow, Mr. Dr. Powbot. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going good, man. It is the fall that's on fire. Yeah. Well, this fall. Liter- is... Not literally. No, right? we're not oh, on okay. fire. Good, well, there's good. some control burns, but like <laughs> the colors just popped. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been like the best Indian summer the last four days. Yeah, it was warm. I went for a swim in the truck yesterday and, and freeze, froze my noogies off, man. It was cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot that it was October for a minute there. It's been beautiful. I've had some great rides this week. Yeah. It's been like, this is my favorite season, I think, for, for mountain biking because you're finally in shape. Right. Like the yeah, bike doesn't worked hurt. all summer. The bike doesn't hurt anymore. You can just go right. out and tread and just keep going and enjoy a full day. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're here today uh, at the Orbital Design Lab Studios in Gray's Cabin in beautiful downtown Truckee, the oldest standing building in yeah. Truckee, I believe. We're back. I'm fired up uh, for this episode. Here. Yeah, we've been we've been working on getting this one together for a little while here. Um, Gray's Cabin is also happens to be the uh, kind of the headquarters for the Truckee Dirt mm-hmm. Union, uh, TDU. Uh, we are blessed. And stoked to have three members of TDU today with us on Mind the Track. Uh, Matt Chapel, Sky Alsop, and Greg Forsyth. The, the, uh, the three amigos of uh, TDU here. It's like a core lord council. <laughs> it is a core lord council, totally. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, combined, the, the amount of mountain biking that's gone on in this room is, is impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like hundred and something years of shredding. <laughs> Damn, we're old. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, guys. Um, thanks for carving a few uh, minutes out of your busy schedules to join us to talk about trails in Truckee, the history, the present, and the future of trails in Truckee, and where TDU fits into the past, the present, and the future, where... TDU came from, where it is currently, and where it hopes to go, and uh, talk a little bit about the history of the town, a little bit about the history of trails, and uh, what you guys are getting geared up for moving into the future. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's maybe have each of these guys sort of introduce themselves. Yeah. And then sort of 
maybe chime in on what their role is with TDU and, and sort of, you know, why they felt like they, they got involved with TDU. Yeah. Shall we start there? Let's start with, uh, let's start with Sky over in the cool. corner there. Oh boy. Hi everyone. My name's Sky Alsop. Not really sure what my role is at TDU. Usually try to be out in the woods as much as possible, um, helping some of the core builders and try to keep these trails going in Truckee. Greg. Hi, Greg Forsyth, um, owner of Cycle Pass Bike Shop. I'm involved in TDU to help support the local builders in the community and uh, help the trails evolve and uh, keep people riding. Uh, Matt Chappell, stoked uh, to be back on the podcast. Was it the first one that we recorded in this building? The second one. The it second was one. Yeah, episode two. And what episode number is it? Are we at? Deuce, deuce, deuce. It's 2-2. Two, two. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's some Go buy time. a lottery ticket with We've two We've been busy, it. you know? That's some good timing. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, was, I would think so. I mean, when was it launched? In uh, April. March, April. So we've been recording, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Stoked to be a part of it. So, yeah, Matt Chappell is my name. I'm the executive director of Truckee Dirt Union in its current form. Uh, we're three and a half years into it and uh yeah and i'm one of the founding members and and just sort of really see myself as as the guy who makes sure it all happens you know i, I try to really work hard to, to cultivate a awesome open framework for thinking and ideas and and bringing people together and then and just sort of being the person that gets it on the calendar and shows up and, and gets everyone else to show up that's been my primary focus and I also uh, try and keep the story alive on the internet and, and report on all the activities within the group. Yeah, you're responsible for managing the Insta. It seems like yeah. the Insta's had a pretty good presence these days. Yeah, I, I generally, um, yeah, I, I really, it's been a great experiment for me from a communications standpoint. I'm an advocate for real storytelling and, and obviously you guys are as well. So mm -hmm. trying to start from a place of, of telling something that I feel like is, is important, noteworthy, or interesting, and, and it, it spans a variety of different forms, but we really try to speak from the heart. And so I, I feel like that's a great, a great, has been a great catalyst for our organization and also keeping everybody on a tight track. Mm -hmm. You're also, Matt, a little bit of a historian here in Truckee. You had, I remember from that first episode you were on, you said that you had a column at one point in the, in the newspaper here? Um, not, not in the or... newspaper, but I, I, I was a, um, the editor of the Tahoe on our news magazine oh, okay. for, you know, at least four years, uh, of my eight year career at Tahoe Donner. Can you chime in a little bit on what the, the, the old history of the Jackass Ridge is then? Oh, like, the where Jackass did, Ridge like, what, where did that Where did that name come from? Like, I know that there's a there's a big story behind that. What's, there is, break, yeah. Break that down for there us. There is, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a loose one. You know, I don't know if there's anyone who's, who's technically studied or unveiled everything to do with Jackass Ridge, because not many people are that interested in it. But my understanding is that it was a donkey encampment during the railroad build. And so that's ah, kind of where so it was the, railroad. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, there, there's been other history there, you know, there was, you know, a, a passage for the immigrant trail and obviously there's significant native American findings and 
um, which is why you know all of Donner Park has a heritage de designation. Okay. Because uh, it is significant. Um, and they were using donkeys to move the railroad ties and like. Well, I don't know if you've seen any of the photos, and they're using them to carry water, all sorts of stuff. Well, Just the, pack the main thing they were using them for actually was to move the dynamite around. Ah. And that makes so sense. Jackass Ridge was a safe location for the donkeys with the dynamite out of town to make sure that if anything exploded, it wouldn't light the town on fire. Okay. As I understand it. Yeah. That's, Don't hold me to that. <laughs> so yeah, that ultimately that's that ridge line there. Okay. You know, it's, it's I believe where the name has come from. I mean, okay. is there, and then there's a trail up there also called Hobo Hill, right? Yeah, that's a or a Sky could talk <laughs> about that. What's what's all? It, why do you know you know all the hobos or what? Yeah, well, so the hobo loop, uh, that was a section where, wow, not even like ten years ago, that was a um, kind of a transient encampment. So yeah. they would be close enough to go in, to walk into town to get supplies, but they were actually wintering up there. Um, there's a small little footprint up at the top where they had an actual structure yeah, yeah. and uh, ultimately the trash became so much and everything that um, some some of the core builders kind of were able to move them out and clean it all up the and core builders of jackass really yeah yeah so the builders scared the or moved the hobos out yeah i you know they came in a couple times and kept removing trash yeah and that little uh, viewpoint is a beautiful look at Castle, and you can look up to Judah, and you can kind of see the whole Coldstream yeah. Valley. Yeah. And so they're always going up there, and they're just bummed at how much trash there was all the time. So they started cleaning it up, and ultimately had some conversations with the guys, and I think that it became time for them to kind of move on wow. from that mm -hmm. location. Wow. Can one of you also, for some of our listeners, I think a lot of our listeners know what the zone that we're talking about, but for the people that maybe don't know, or the people that want to come here and ride, like where is Jackass Ridge and, and then, you know, and where is it in relation to Truckee? Greg, why don't you jump in? So it's uh, between Truckee and Tahoe is the 89 corridor, Highway 89, and the mouse hole is the little tunnel that goes under the, oh, the mouse railroad hole. tracks <laughs> we and, all know uh, the mouse hole just past the mouse hole going south on the right is a big pullout mm -hmm. and uh that's just sort of become the general parking area for there those there's more parking up the dirt road there's the 01 which is a designated uh fire road for service fire road okay. that goes up into the pacific crust that that uh comes right off the highway right there and, and jackass and the adjoining trails are kind of up in up in the hills above that that's bug being a good guard dog over there in the corner cool so it's just it's just as you leave the mouse hole from Truckee, and i think most pe people are familiar with it because it is where you see like every mountain biker in tahoe sort of gearing up at their car to get ready to go shred yeah and that's the that's the start point for all this riding yep yep and it, and it seems as though uh, Jackass Ridge has been kind of the the epicenter of the focus of TDU since its inception. Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah. Yeah. Direct, yeah. For sure. 
Uh, I think the first initiative we tackled right out of the gates as TDU was a, a signage and messaging campaign to riders during COVID. There was a, this sort of like looming threat that was imposed that, you know, the uh, government was going to shut down access to recreation areas during COVID, during mm -hmm. lockdown. Yeah. And uh, that, that was our, our saving grace for sanity in our community. And Sky and I went out, we made, you know, a dozen or so different types of signs that were very positive and encouraging and trying to really build a, you know, a, a better, more organized idea of how we should be riding during these challenging times which were super simple stuff like keep your distance, right? right? And don't ride in packs of people and don't congregate at intersections and don't trash the open space because there's nobody working to clean it up. Right. And they're real simple things, but we just really wanted to preserve that access to that trail network because it was really keeping us alive. And, and we were riding it at dawn and doing our best to, to, to mostly stay out of sight. And that's kind of the that's kind of what we've been doing in Truckee for a long time is, is trying to st stay off the grid with our riding and, and it's, it's become an awesome mountain biking town. Why have you guys been trying to stay off the grid with your riding? What do you mean by that? Well, there was, there's just sort of this cool, you know, this, this cool idea of, of finding the hidden trail in the entire sport, right? Yeah. Yeah. And most of our trails were hidden. You know, there's there's a loose statistic right now that there's 230 miles of legal, sorry, illegal trail, and there's quickly catching up 200 miles of legal trail in our community. Yeah. And uh, and it's only since become that. So we've just been riding off the grid, really, literally, like, and trying to keep it from being open and out in the air for so long was just, you know, uh, I guess a way... I don't know. Why do we keep doing that? Who knows? And now it's now it's you seem whole, you seem now to be bridging though from yeah being, bringing it from being sort of the TDU is, and I would say that's to not hidden. Well, in a, in a, in a way, right? Like there's there are certain trail networks that the Forest Service and other landowners are now recognizing as like legitimate recreational resources or assets. Mm -hmm. And like Jackass Trail, they're they're adopting doing the environmental work. And legalizing these these trails that were formerly just social trails, yep. right? And that's where we we found a great gap to fill, where we're an organization that's deeply connected and rooted in this community. We know most of the people. I wouldn't say all now because there's so many new riders here, but we know most of the riders. We were a small core group, and we knew how to you know communicate and develop relationships with the existing social trail builders to sort of capture their energy and, and to put it to its best use. And that's what we're doing now. And to also provide tons of additional resources uh, to help accomplish these goals in conjunction with going through all the proper protocols with the landowner, mm -hmm. landowners and managers into meeting their goals as well. And who is the landowner for Jackass? Is it, uh, is it Forest Service? Yeah, it's okay. the Forest Service. And, and, and so you guys successfully took that trail from being sort of, shall we say, trail that's not talked about to now trail that is sanctioned well, and legal and it and gets a little sticky there i would say that you know initially Truckee trails foundation they work to adopt that trail and okay. to sanction it with 
the Forest Service Truckee Ranger District. Okay. And then we launched and, you know, sort of, I call it an iterative uh, community trail building maintenance program on Jackass Ridge. You guys are responsible for how rad it is. <laughs> our, our ultimate goal is to take what we, we perceive to be like mountain biking from a seven to an 11. And we want to do that through, you know, what we see as a sustainable financial model that empowers our community to do trail work so that, you know, in hopes they, they learn what it takes and have a bit deeper respect for entering that space and for sharing those experiences with their friends. So we create a heightened, or we heighten awareness amongst the user group. That's our, our primary goal, yep. but doing it through hands-on stewardship and connecting to the environment itself. How many volunteers do you have? Like how many? There's total? over 550 people signed up to be wow. on the volunteer trail force. And we get about a 10% or greater show up. So what do you attribute our, that to? You guys have only been in existence since April of 2020. How have you, how have you managed to grow that base of a volunteer group so quickly? What do you, what do you attribute that to? Uh, primarily to, well, I would say that it's a magnetic trail organization. Uh, sorry, a magnetic trail network yeah. that, we're, that we're working on. And I think a lot of people connect to it already mm -hmm. right so we've created a really awesome platform to communicate to those individuals they also connect to that and we've provided a a way to belong to all of that right so mm -hmm. there's there's like it's more than just showing up and doing work on the trail yeah it's more than that and you guys have all experienced it it's it's just it's a it's a lifestyle it's an incredible energy it is a lifestyle it's wonderful we're all yearning to be in the forest right now and uh and me in particular i've been you know working in a, a design studio for the last 25 years of my life and prior to that you know jumping between classes and and uh, a part-time job and and trying to ride my snowboard as much as possible and so it's 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 going out in the forest for four hours i mean there's there's a term forest bathing nature bathing that's um being utilized you know to communicate this this type of sensation but it's it's wonderful to be out in the forest for four hours and i envy the people like yourself kurt they get to work out on a daily basis work out in the forest you know it's a pretty incredible thing yeah um and i see that there's a double side of that too like a you know a 40 hours of time in the forest might be a little too much solitude. Yeah. But I think our volunteer trail force is a great example of like, Hey, you can go out for a ride and you, you can get in a killer ride and dig for a couple hours and then, and then be home for dinner. Like that's a pretty incredible experience. Yeah. And yeah. specifically the jackass trail, I would say it speaks to everyone. So we have people on our volunteer trail force that are, you know, potentially ex pros that absolutely shred. And then we have people, who might have just moved here who are just getting into the sport and the trail works for everybody i mean we have sections of the trail where you can jump and have fun and get some airtime. and if you don't want to you can stay riders left and cruise it with your kids you know i took my kids on there when they were like four so i think the trail itself kind of speaks to everybody mm -hmm. no matter what your riding you know skill level is and was and that trail so like you talk about the trail itself it it's approachable for a wide range of skill is that something that always existed out in that zone so like the jackass ridge trails you know extending into the yogi bear network would you say like 
is an approachable network of trails for a wide range of skill? Or has it evolved like to become that way, like where it used to be maybe more gnarly or more technical or more? Yeah. I mean, it definitely, um, you know, gnarly is subjective, like depending on how good of a rider you are. But back in the day, the Jackass Trail was somewhat abandoned. I mean, I had probably a solid decade of like very little use, more kind of moto. We talked about like the transient camp up there. It was basically abandoned and it kind of got resurrected. And it was maybe for a rider with a little higher skill level, but ultimately as we become organized, we realize that maybe there's trail filter features that we need to take out for everybody's safety. And it's kind of just evolved to become more of a all access trail, no matter how, how good you are, or how new to the sport you are. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think the, what you guys have been able to do, the success speaks for itself in the parking lot. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, in the last, I'd say maybe three to five years, especially no question since COVID, but like even a little before COVID that parking lot got, you know, that pullout on the side of 89 has just gotten more and more popular. And, um, it's, it's great to see the popularity of that trail. Like it's approachable for a wide range of skill and experience and age. And I think, that speaks for the quality of the the trail building um, and the maintenance. And on that topic, because uh, I know that you guys aren't necessarily the ones out there every day doing the dirt work. Who are the folks that are primarily out in the forest doing this work for TDU? Yeah, it's the it's kind of the old school trucky builders for sure. So it's um it's a guy named Johnny. It's a guy named Rob, guy named Joel, girl named Chris, plus kind of some other characters that fill in here and there. Um, we're out there a fair amount. And then uh, just that, you know, that when we have the volunteer trail days, we can really get stuff done with 50, 60 people showing up and kind of hanging out with us out there. And they've been building, I know Johnny, uh, well, maybe all of them have been building out there for what, 30 years? Yes. Yeah. So, Greg, you've been here that whole time. I mean, what what, what year did you move to Truckee? 80, 82. 82. Yeah. Um, what was Truckee like in 82 for mountain biking? I mean, were you even mountain biking then yet? Yeah. You were? I, I was, yeah. I started actually the first summer. I, I moved here in the winter, and the first summer I started riding mountain bikes. So um, I was living over on the west shore of Tahoe. There wasn't a lot happening in Truckee. Basically, there was like the Emigrant Trail, maybe. There wasn't a lot of trails. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really... I got. I came over to Truckee in the, you know, 90s, and things were really starting to evolve and happen then. You know, the Jackass Zone, Mardis. And it was just, I mean... I guess the the catchphrase now is social trails, but back then it was just people wanting to ride and not having a place to ride and getting out there and doing it and building. And, um, and Johnny and those guys were, you know, some of the, the key players in that whole area, of course. So um, we were building some stuff over on the West Shore. Mm-hmm. There was a, few, a little more trails going on because there was already 
hiking trails. Back in the day, you could ride the Pacific Crest Trail legally. Yeah. And so that was kind of the focus over there. And then trails to give you access to the Pacific Crest Trail and then off the Pacific Crest Trail down into various canyons. And so there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of social building over the years for sure. Do you think the closure of the PCT to bikes uh, kind of maybe like inspired or instigated more social trail building elsewhere? Was that kind of your main trail to ride? And then when it got taken away, you were like, well, what do we do now? Yeah, a little bit. I think it also would, I think it inspired a bit of the, you know, the whole Tahoe Rim Trail yeah. thing, you know, because you yeah. have the PCT on the West Shore and then it was like, well, there's a trail here and a trail over there. And if we connect these, then eventually we can create this massive big loop. I mean, when they first started it, on the whole idea of the Tower Room Trail, people were just like, really? Like there's gonna be a trail all the way around the lake up in the mountains? I mean, it just seemed far-fetched, but it happened and yeah. and that just sort of evolved, you know, and continues to evolve. Yeah. JP Trail, so JP, would you consider that kind of the first, like, uh, I don't know, purpose-built mountain bike trail in Truckee? The first one I heard of, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about the history of that trail. Well, so the J is Johnny. P is who? I believe it was Paul. Patrick. Patrick, Patrick that's was right. Was Patrick? Yeah. 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 PK Tripper. Ah. <laughs> He's yeah. still around. He's oh, yeah. Around. I saw him on the still JP around. the other day. Johnny yeah. and Patrick were riding JP trail the other day a couple months ago or whatever. Wow. Yeah. There yeah. used to be a little thing that said since 91. I believe right. that's when they started working on it. Yep. Yeah. And that was one of the first trails that I, that I have to say that JP's was the trail in my mountain biking career that taught me to be a mountain biker because I would ride it from my, I, I first moved to Armstrong track above Donner Lake. And I think Johnny lived in the neighborhood. I used to see him going mm -hmm. down there with Patrick and the dogs. They used, to, they used to have a little white dog and another dog and they'd go work on JP's and there was always the dog bowl at the top the tradition to have a little dog bowl and you'd leave a little water for the dogs up there. But that was, I, I remember I looked at that trail almost like a boulder problem where mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't clean it, especially that those moves at the back end when you turn around and come back. Yeah. And when I finally like was able to clean that entire trail, I was like, okay, I'm good. At, I, I figured out mountain biking. Yeah. And that was my first, like, I love that trail. I loved it so much. I think that that was one of the reasons why Nicole and I ended up settling and staying in Donner Lake. Huh. Because we had because the trail. Because, well, it was that trail, and then that, then there was more trails being built. the The Yogi Network was going down, mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with that summertime activity of just leave, being able to leave my house and go ride that network and have it right out my back door. Yeah, and it's, we ended up then settling at Donner Lake. Like that, I've always thought about that. That the power of that trail got it. It, it made us move somewhere almost. Yeah. Uh, and what is the status of JP Trail now? I hear yeah. that there, it's like it's still a social trail, but it's going to be adopted by the state park. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. That's uh, it's happening as we as we record this podcast. Wow. Okay. You know the the state park uh, crew in the Truckee and Tahoe Greater Tahoe area are working to to adopt uh, sort of the the 
first section of JP Trail. Yeah. And uh, it's eventually going to be a part of the Donner Lake Rim Trail oh. project that the Truckee Donner Land Trust is heading up. And, uh, and we've been asked to step up and work with state parks to provide a couple of reroutes and a couple of improvements that they've, they, uh, they, they worked to, or they collaborated with us to, to come up with. So mm -hmm. we, we went out there, we, we walked the trail with state parks and earlier in the year, maybe in June, and, uh, and got some of the original trail builders out there to walk it with us and to come up with some improvements that they felt were worthwhile and that the state parks also felt were worthwhile. Yeah. And right now it's moving through, you know, the proper channels to get officially approved. As soon as we get a green light on that, we'll break ground on some of those reroutes and improvements. Now, why was TDU created? What was the need that you guys saw in town for another trail organization? Because there is a few trail organizations already in existence. Why did TDU need to come to be? Well, I think part of it is that the existing trail organizations had a pretty broad paintbrush of what they were doing. It involved bike paths like the Legacy Trail, bike lanes for being able to ride a road bike safely. Um, there wasn't anyone really specifically dealing with dirt and mountain bike specifically in single track and th w there was a fairly big conglomeration of builders doing social trails but nothing that you could really talk about share information for people coming to ride was kind of hush hush you know mm -hmm. where do we go ride how do we get here draw us a hand map so it became, it was obviously evident that we really needed to have some sort of connection between the community, what trails were being built, working with landowners, forest service, trying to just create something specific. Mm -hmm. And do you guys feel in the three and a half years of your existence that it's, the need has lived up to what you perceived. Like you're seeing that you guys have pro it seems like you guys have projects. It seems like there's a lot to do and that you guys are staying busy and that there's opportunity for TDU to really flourish and evolve in town. There's a massive amount of opportunity for sure. And I think, you know, we're, we're really driven, uh, to sort of accomplish our, our vision, which is ultimately to get to that, you know, that, that 11 on this, on the scale yeah. of fun trail. And, and we have a really unique definition of what, you know, the, this, the trails that we're working towards adopting and, and stewarding are going to become from here. Um, and I think, you know, there's been a multitude of things that have occurred. Like we've, I, I think we've also created you know, by the nature of, of competition created a, a sort of a, a rising tide. Yeah. And I think all, all area organizations, and, and maybe we weren't the only one that's responsible for that. Obviously there's been a boom in outdoor recreation, which has been invigorating to, to many of the organizations that are working in that space. There's been an additional uh, massive increase in, in funding at large and, and trickle down 
project funding through the entire like outdoor community. So you've got every trail organization within the Tahoe Forest is is now like operating at at a, a substantially increased level from pre-COVID. I would say. Yeah. Would you agree? Oh man, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So for sure. So looking ahead, like nobody knew that we were we right. were stepping up because we were like, oh, we love this space. We we want to keep this space. We want to preserve this access. This yeah. is part of our life. This is why we moved to Truckee was for mountain biking, right? Or why we stayed here, right? For, I mean, that's that's my story. I moved here to snowboard and I stayed here to mountain bike, you know, forever. And <laughs> and I look forward to my snowboard every year, but it's like two I'll three say. months of the year. And then, and then the rest of the time, I'm I'm thinking about what, what my wheels are going to be on, you know. Right. And yeah. uh, and it's been that way now for me for 25 years, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think we wouldn't have known where we would have, we wouldn't have projected our place and our the sort of value add that we're in now when we launched. But yeah. since we've we've mobilize this awesome group of people who can get a substantial amount of work done. Mm-hmm. We're managing an awesome trail network and we're continually dialing it. We borrowed ideas from, you know, from Brooks at the bike park by seeing how constantly he was changing and evolving his lines and improving them on a daily to day basis. We also took note of what resorts were doing with terrain parks and why is it that terrain parks are so popular and awesome and when do they break down and become dysfunctional because that is what our trails are doing. We're now building these elaborate interactive courses with jumps and and different cool experiences on these trails but they have to be kept up and that's why we really focused on honing the jackass trail specifically. Um, in Donkey Town to make sure that it's rolling really well and, and predictable. Yeah. And taking that yeah. Un- unpredictable fall, potential fall out of that, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Well, I think the other super interesting aspect to me about TDU and, and Matt, you and I had kind of lost touch with each other for several years and we had reconnected a couple of years ago. And when you were, you know, kind of explaining to me what TDU was, the concept that you throughout to me, which has stuck with me ever since is, um, TDU is kind of like a, a record label that is representing artists in the community. And those artists are actually trail builders and they're trail builders who don't want to be in the limelight. They don't want to be in the meetings with the, with the stakeholders or the land managers. They just want to be in the forest working their art and their craft. And TDU is there to represent them and to help them and to even help them get paid for their work. Talk a little bit about that, like bringing these community trail builders into the fold so that they're actually getting paid to work their craft. Yeah, I think that was a huge part of why TDU, you know, came to fruition. We would see all the other entities in town and kind of in the county getting this massive funding to build trails. and, And ultimately, we would look at these really rad trails that we already had. And we'd say, hey, how come these guys aren't getting, you know, reimbursed for their time or some sort of equity out of the situation? And uh, ultimately, I would say that was, at least in my mind, one of the first goals of TDU. Like the main, like highest target was how do we get these guys legitimately paid? Yeah, I mean, we've had these trail builders here that have given their blood, sweat, tears for 30 years, right? And now all of a sudden mountain biking is being recognized of the you know, an economic driver in our community. 
And so we wanted to make sure that we were taking care of our community builders. Yeah, that's so rad. So that's happening now. Those, the, the, the boys and girls that were the OG trail builders up there are getting a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. It was that's, a long road to get there, but we're, we're there. So p people yeah. should know that if you're out riding and you see that little QR code and you, you do donate or you, you become a member and donate like that's, that money is going straight to the trail builders. hundred percent. That's yeah. so rad. And definitely giant shout out to the people that are donating. And yep. we really appreciate you guys and gals. Yeah, that, that, that just that grassroots poster we made that we, we have out, you know, it, we had a new moon, we had it all over town up at Pacific Crest. Like you could scan it, you could throw $10 in, you could throw in more that we had like this really cool, we, we continue to have these incredible hats that are made for us by mm -hmm. Flylo and Flylo. Uh, local brand they donate those hats to the TDU Rad. and uh, and I think there's two of us here wearing them today and it's just it's such a cool thing I, I heard the other day someone was flying through Denver and they were on a plane and like three people had the TDU hat on and yeah. like immediately <laughs> that's really? like yeah they're immediately they're like dude let's go get a beer let's talk about this I saw one at SeaTac this summer um, yeah that's cool so yeah, we've, we've really been able to capture that energy, but not only to capture the broader energy of the MTB community here, tell these incredible stories through, that are real experiences that we're creating. So we're creating the, these experiences for this 550 person you know, uh, subscription list. And then, <clears throat> yeah, sharing those with the world and, and continuing on that path has been the, the enabler. You know, and then the trickle down effect is like, we've got four people part time ma maintaining Jackass Ridge and the trails, th you know, throughout the week. So you're seeing yep. changes and improvements in the lips and the berms like day yeah, to that's day. on my list of things to talk about. I'll give them a shout out. Like that's one of those trails where if you don't ride it for a few weeks and you come back, the trails in better shape than the last time you were there. And there's like two more, like every time I would go there over the last couple of years, you'd show up and there was like a new berm or a new jump. And, well, and Tom, just, I, I don't it, know if you remember, but like it used to be like when July 7th hit your bike, you hung it up Yeah. or you went yeah, and right. rode the road or whatever. And yeah. it wasn't until the moisture cycles came again that you would get back on your bike yeah. or you would just stop riding those, those, uh, major trail hubs. Cause they were so unbelievably blown out blown out yeah, yeah. no yeah. you guys have done the, the jackass network has done an incredible job on maintaining what they have there and it's it's always writing good yeah and it's been an incredible uh partnership <clears throat> example to what you can accomplish with the forest service and they've been like stride for stride with us they come to i think almost every of nearly 14 volunteer days i think there might have been one that they haven't attended yeah, cool and they're bringing resources and tools and, and you know, Dirt. clay mixed to help us with our vision, which has been a fantastic thing. So I think we've kind of covered sort of why you guys came and, and yeah. started. Let's maybe get into a little bit. But of there's, the, there's one thing I'd like to add yeah, to that, add, Tom. Yeah. There's, there's, so we're, I think what has been shared on that note so far really talks about Chucky specifically. Yep. But when you look at Tahoe as a whole, just as a forest, there's Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship to the north. And there's Tamba, Tamba which the Greg Forsyth was, you know, one of the original founding members of. Oh wow! Um, let's let's make that let's make that a clear note. You were one of the founding members of Tamba, Greg. Correct. Yeah. What year was that? Jesus, maybe eighty eight, eighty nine. Something okay. Like that. Cool. Yeah. There All was right. eight of us. That's awesome. All right, go ahead. Before so there's there's this 
massive forest. There's a bunch of different zones and geographies, uh, but you know, primarily like Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship, sure, like Downeyville, the whole Plumas County area, like it really seemed like that's their zone. And of course, they've now built like you know the the the, the trail that's coming into Truckee, right, which mm-hmm. is going to be the connect the start, you know, presumably from our area, the start of the connected communities project is coming to Truckee. So now. Uh, you know, Sierra Views Trail Stewardship is sort of scratching in our backyard, and, and we have great relationship with them. We've been collabing on some of those trails and, you know, uh, mobilizing a ton of volunteers to help on two different occasions, you know, partnering with Kurt. You guys helped track. with Bab- uh, Babbitt Peak, too. With Badenoch Canyon Trail. Oh, Baden- okay. Yeah, which was a super awesome experience that we hope to do again, uh, possibly next year, and, and get more people out in that space because it's very special. Uh, in addition to that, we helped them earlier this year work on the, some of the new trail out of Boca, um, out of the Boca Rest Campground area, which is you know has great potential for especially people who live in Glenshire. Have a quick town lap, like mm-hmm. accessible that you don't have to drive through the town of Truckee, which now is pretty traffic filled, right? So it, it's an interesting project that's happening out there. Tamba primarily, I, I don't know if it was intentional, but their focus has been on trails that I believe drain into the basin, right? That's like their focus so they don't necessarily come this far north they have they did some volunteer work days with greg at cycle you know with cycle pass on lloyd's trail maybe yeah. four or five years ago right so they were there was a need to be filled that's the painting i'm i'm trying to uh to paint here mm-hmm. uh, when you look at communities our size with as many outdoor users as we have all of them have not only one mountain bike trail organization sometimes two sometimes three Right. So while we now in Truckee, we have two people or two organizations that are working in the trail space. Um, one of those organizations, the Truckee Dirt Union, is only working in the mountain biking trail space. So we're advocates for purpose built, intentional trail experiences. Yep. Which I think benefits everybody else on all the other trails. Because if you have a trail network like, like Jackass, which is a purpose built mountain bike trail, one, it's directional. So you end up having a better experience. You climb, you descend, different, different parts of the trail. And then also too, all of the people that are riding that network are not on other trails interacting with hikers and other, other user groups. Yeah. Like it's really good to get people on purpose-built mountain bike trails on mountain bikes. Yes, agreed. Like that's a yeah. win-win for everybody involved. Yeah, our, our, our proposal for that area is to add you know, five new short sections of trail that are going to optimize the zone, spread people out a little bit more, mm-hmm. increase access. And uh, that's what we're hoping to break ground on as soon as the Forest Service finishes the sort of wildfire mitigation thinning operations that they're undergoing. Cool. Well, that, that's kind of what I was getting into is that like we, I think we you know, have sort of talked about now why TDU exists. That it, it, obviously, there was a need for an organization like you guys. You, you are now the voice of all the trail builders and, all, and, and the voice of core riders, mountain bikers in this, in this area. And so what, what are you guys working on right now? And, and what, is gonna, like, what are some of the projects that are coming up and what can we look forward to? Yeah, our, our Keystone project is Jackass Ridge. And, mm-hmm. and we've had, you know, we have a proposal that's been submitted multiple times to the Forest Service uh, in physical form, in meetings, they've accepted and uh, are in support of the document, which uh, sounds great, but we've been waiting for maybe three seasons for the area to be logged, which is an important thing for our community, for you know fire safety. 
Um, it's also a pretty hefty uh, source of revenue for the Forest Service, right? Like they are in the logging business. Mm -hmm. So the entire like 89 corridor, I believe, is slated to be logged, like from Jackass to as 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 near to Palisades as possible. All I believe they've already begun this summer in Deep Creek or one of the creeks are already uh, beginning logging operations. Um, but yeah, so they're going to do that all the way down. They've been meaning to get going on the Jackass Ridge as soon as possible, and it's been said to us that they're working to get that done sooner than later so that we can begin our project of rebirthing the trail network. And our ambition is to rebirth all existing trails in their exact form, if not better, and to add five new short sections of trail. From the top of Jackass. Yeah, and above, and slightly above. above. Cool. There's there's some Forest Service property or Forest Service ter terrain above that, and a couple of our social trails that we all utilize uh, also sort of tiptoe on and off Forest Service land, and we want to build alternative routes to those trails that would allow us to utilize those trails when some of the other landowners close access to their lands. And you did mention the the state park project, and you, you guys potentially might be involved in building the rest of the trail for Donner Lake Rim Trail? Well, that's Maybe. like the, a carrot that's out there. We're trying to, well, be right. this is a project, our first project where we have managed it from the environmental side of it as well. Like mm -hmm. with Jackass Ridge Truckee Trails Foundation was the one that technically adopted the trail and legalized it or sanctioned it with the Forest Service. With state parks, this is the, our first project that we're seeing all of the environmental work through on our end and submitting the, the proposals and all the sort of GIS cool. work. And we have a couple of members in our, our volunteer trail stewardship that do that professionally, that are stepping up to fill gaps on our board and, and sort of our main crew that don't have expertise in that areas. And so we've, we've also, that 550 person list is highly skilled, which is the benefit of the Truckee community. Awesome. Psst. Hey you. Yeah, you across the garage. The guy who never uses me. I've been hanging in the rafters for years. My top sheet's buried in dust. My rails are rusty. I haven't seen wax since I was new. You're always grabbing that shiny new board next to me. I want a new owner, man. You're lame. Am I hallucinating? No. This is your old split board speaking. I'm sorry, you're right. But I hate selling stuff online. Nothing but scammers or thieves will come by to the house, case the joint, and rob me. Well, maybe if you got robbed, I'd get a new home. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer -peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Sky, I wanted to ask you a question. So you grew up in Bellingham, Washington. And Bellingham obviously has become this absolute hotbed for progressive mountain biking and progressive trail design. What have you gleaned from what's going on in Bellingham and how you can bring some of that 
to Truckee? Hmm, good question. Yeah, so, I mean, Bellingham is unique in that they were one of the first locations um, to get organized, the trail building or organization there, WCMB. They got um, local businesses involved right off the bat. And so ultimately Bellingham was uh, a timber company land. It was called Galbraith Mountain. And um, there were so many illegal trails on it while the being built while the timber company was trying to harvest timber that it, it did become a problem at first. And so um, Eric Brown, EB um, from the WCMB, he was kind of instrumental in getting the town and the landowner and the mountain bike community to all come together. And now it is a hundred year lease and it's a county park. So there's, I don't even know how many trails, there's hundreds. And that whole area is now legitimately served by the mountain bike community in the form of, um, you know, adopt a specific trail program. So like bike, one bike shop will adopt one trail and the brewery down the street will adopt another one. And ultimately that pays for a whole trail crew to be out there 24 seven, even through the winter manicuring the trails taking out you know any sort of slash or any sort of life safety stuff and making that whole like trail network run super smooth i mean you drive around in bellingham these days and you know half the cars have bike racks and you'll see the dad with all his kids pedaling up to galbraith and Truckee's similar in that way um it's just more spread out so the need for as matt was talking about more trails concentrated on, you know, ideally Jackass Ridge and there above would um, start to create almost a little mini Galbraith where we could get the community more involved to actually, you know, maintain a trail via business, et cetera. And, uh, you know, kind of just make sure that it's always maintained and always dialed. Obviously we have snow here, but, um, you know, for the, other nine months that we ride, you know, eight months that we ride, um, it, it could definitely follow the Bellingham example. And I think we're starting to get kind of close. Now, it, it seems like they kind of had a different scenario because a lot of those Galbraith trails were social trails on private land that got built, uh, obviously without permission, uh, and they were already there. So they were able to kind of rally around a pretty big existing trail network. Now, I mean, I, I know that Jackass, like we talked about, like those were social trails too and Yogi and all that, but it seems like Galbraith probably had a multitude more trails already out of the gate, right? Yes. Jackass. So um, how, how will TDU emulate what happened at Galbraith having knowing that you've got this process that you're going to have to follow because it's on either public land or I don't even know if you are, are you guys like with private landowners, are you able to, to forge any relationships yet? Or do you foresee that being able to happen? Oh man, I hope, I mean, we're having initial talks with some of the landowners. Yeah. Um, they know we're there. Yeah. So far it's like, you know, hands off, don't build any jumps scenario. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have an uphill battle. I, I just think we have to persevere, you know, and just keep going. And my hat's off to Matt dealing with all these county orgs and state, you know, federal orgs. Yeah. Um, that seems like half the job these days yeah. for sure. Instead yeah. of being out in the, on the trails building. Totally. It's, there's a giant administrative portion of this nonprofit that I don't think any of us kind of ever saw coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's sequential. I think it, you know what this guy's talking about. It we have broken it down into this sequence, and we're we're executing this critical path. You know, and the state parks project is a primary example of of that coming to life. You know, like yeah. we yeah. we worked on that relationship, or we were we were brought into this discussion that happened um, between the California Mountain Bike Coalition, um, Michael Azalone, shout out. Uh, he was working with state parks crew, you know, after a trails conference and they had this discussion about JP's trail. And then here we are like nearly a year and a half later and we're about to break ground on this project of optimizing that trail because state parks actually had an ambition yeah. for that trail. Yeah. And there wasn't a, this, there was this empty puzzle piece. There wasn't this partner to actually execute it and to bring the community together to, to pull it off. And, and the TDU is just perfectly served for that. And beyond that, our relationship with the Forest Service, like they really went out on a wing for us, you know, and, and worked with us for years. And so they're going to see that like, hey, it's not, it's not just us that believes in this community vision for mountain biking. It's also state parks. And we're hoping that that has a ripple effect and we have, you know, strong relationship, a, a strong relationship with the Truckee Donner Land Trust. And the future plans for the Truckee Donner Land Trust is to conserve and protect, you know, every other parcel in the checkerboard, which is on yeah. their website. You yeah. can check that out. It's a really awesome and uh, integral part of our, our future lives here in this community. And we're hoping to, to sort of earn our position and our and to express our voice as an organized body for mountain biking in the community when it comes down to conserving lands that have trails on them yeah greg you've been here since 1982 um you've when did you open cycle paths the bike shop well we started as a mountain bike touring company in 85 out of my garage and then we got our location there next to Firesign cafe in 87. so you've been there since 87. yeah uh there's been a lot of changes in Truckee since 1987. what do you what have you seen over the years how how Truckee has evolved um and has the evolution of mountain biking been, have you seen a, a, a noticeable uh, impact to your business? And what do you hope for the future of Truckee as far as the culture and, and um, you know, trying to preserve the kind of the history of Truckee in, the, in a changing face of a town with new people moving in all the time? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to that. There's, um, I mean, the evolution of the bikes has made mountain biking more user-friendly. Mm -hmm. Kids' bikes with full suspension. Um, the bike park that, you know, Brooks and Courtney have that allows people to progress and learn how to jump and ride. It also has 
made the trails evolve. People are building stuff that, you know, back in the day it was just primitive trail, rigid bikes or some, you know, front end suspension maybe. Um, it was more of a kind of pretty hardy sport. And these days I feel like it's much more, um, you know, even e-bikes, even e you know, add as another element to get people out on the trail. So I feel like more and more people are riding mountain biking is more of a legitimate family sport. Um, it's not just a Mountain Dew commercial anymore, you know, and that's changed the face of the community. More trails, better trails, certainly more bike shops. <laughs> have, have you have you found that um, the competition has gotten a lot more challenging for you as far as other bike shops? Well, or is there enough business in this town for everyone to get some? Yeah, I think there's enough to go around. I mean, the ski shops kind of do it to, you know, to make handle it the, the summer. make it through summer, yeah. keep yeah. their staff. Yeah, you know, the core mountain bike shops or the core bike shops or. You know, we're still doing what we've always been doing and we have a good clientele and I think, you know, it it all works it all works for the the benefit of the community, but it's good to be involved in TDU because that that's really to me the driving force of what's gonna continue allow to allow people to ride here and share in the trails and, you know, build user specific trails like you know. Like Tom was bringing up, we're not just poaching hiking trails or equestrian trails. It's purpose-built stuff, and that's really the direction I think it needs to go. Do you see any parallels between being a founding member of TAMBA and being a founding member of TDU? Yeah, there, back then it was just convincing people that riding a a bike in the dirt was legitimate thing <laughs> where we don't really have that hurdle, but it's, 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 there is some parallels in the sense that people are still fighting it. Like, you know, why are you on my trail, you know, or you guys go too fast and, you know, you need to have bells on your bike and yeah. we're actually creating a bell program. Right really? Now, so, yeah. What's, what's the bell print? What's that all about? Well, where you can like pull up to a trailhead and there'll be bells hanging on a oh, display cool. and you can put a bell on your bike and go ride. And this, this is going to be designed for areas that are more multi-use, you know, if yeah. it's just mountain bikers riding purpose built trails, it's not a big deal. There's not a lot of confrontation or anything, but it's more of, um, those multi-use trails where you're dealing with hikers and equestrians and, you know, just being able to share the trail, a bell makes a little bit of noise. People can hear you coming. Yeah. It's just another way to kind of, you know, show that, um, we're just trying to all work together and enjoy the, the backcountry. you know, that's cool. as a community. That's a good idea. I like that idea. I'm a big, we've talked about it, Kurt. I'm a big advocate of the timber bike bell. Yeah. Love those things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Riding yesterday, I, the one guy that had a bell in our group, I was like, you go first so you can chew all the trail Karens out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I want, another thing I wanted to bring up um, is what's going to happen with Martis? 
I think that's a big question that a lot of people in Truckee are wondering. You know, there's there's what do we a pending. Hope is going to happen? Yeah, though, I'm well, glad you brought this up, Kirby. It's a little bit of an elephant in the room, so let's let's yeah. talk about it. That land is going to change hands at some point. Okay. And there's been people have worked to protect it from development. People have worked to conserve it. People have, you know, there's there's been you talk about it for for several years. There's this sort of like looming idea or this, this time, time sensitivity factor that we've kind of thought like, oh, it's gonna happen like three years ago or oh, it's gonna happen this summer or is it gonna happen? When is it gonna happen? Who are the partners? Like nobody, it's all like folklore yeah. right now. Yeah. So yeah. we don't nobody even knows. know who the partners are. We do know who the landowner is for sure. Right. And we hope that like there's this you know, this, this community vision and mountain biking is a big piece of that community vision because it's an incredible mountain biking asset for our community. And, you know, we hope that demonstrating what we can accomplish by way of collaborating with landowners and trail builders and, and motivating a ton of people to show up and support a trail network like we have done for the last three years on Jackass Ridge, intend to do with state parks on JPs, and are also in uh, workings to do something similar on some trails, drunken deer, sober deer off of uh, Alder Creek in collaboration with an array of other partners. Um, so we're, we're hoping to sort of codify this community model so that we can point to these case studies of like what we can accomplish by working together. Mm -hmm. uh, when that Martis, you know, question mark actually occurs, but it's there's a lot of different users up there and everyone every organization across the basin it has a you know an interest in that land and it's going to be a really dynamic resolve yeah it sounds like it might be a long road to getting a solution to that area i think so and and i think yeah. that you know the broader vision obviously that we really want to to bring forward in an organized way is, is the same thing that we've done on Jackass where we're working with the Godfather and, and everybody who's been involved that, that, that you know, sort of like um, is vetted through the, the internal group to sort of come up with this organized vision for how to do the right thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think the bigger question is what's really going to happen to those trails as they exist now? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are wondering. I mean, you have creek gaps, you have giant Wu Tang booters that are 15 feet tall, and whoever comes in and kind of gets the keys to that car, what are they going to do with those features? Right. Like, how's it going to end up? Are they going to get decommissioned? Is it going to be just a kids' trail all the way down, or are they going to keep some of the core? features of that network is, is there stuff to be learned from Galbraith on that what did Galbraith what happened on Galbraith because they have creek gaps and big booters oh, right yeah yeah so what I did mean, they do some of the trails on Galbraith I don't know if any of our listeners have seen like blue steel um or any of those trails but yeah I mean um tomahawk is a perfect example there uh there's you know 30 foot gaps that exist and they're legal so I don't know, you know, exactly. My hat's off to those guys for getting that legitimized. Um, 
I honestly don't know in the state of California how that won't play out. <laughs> on, well, on, on public lands specifically, on public right? Land, so, yeah. right. and then public lands, you know, United States Forest Service is, is working, uh, well, at least we've been told they're working right now at a, at a national level to adopt a new trail spec, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if, if they're the ones that are going to be managing those lands, then the trails have to meet their specification. Yeah. And right. that's where Galbraith is unique. And that brings up another nice, you know, uh, concept. Like here we are in Truckee and the TDU so far has been working with entities who own and manage public lands. Right. What if we flip the script and we start working to maintain and manage private lands? Yeah. Or maybe they're not private, but maybe the mountain biking community steps up and acquires these lands, purchases these lands, whatever these lands are, whatever the opportunity is. Yeah. And builds purpose based trail networks, which has been done in other communities, Aspen, Bentonville, and arguably Galbraith, right? I mean, who owns that land? Is that? That's now technically a, a county park. It's yeah. a county or park. Or did we even, with Sky Tavern? Sky Tavern. Yeah, Sky yeah. Tavern. Yeah, we've, yep. we've been talking about sky tavern all year so you they're a, a representation of what you can do i mean it's, it's definitely private. doable in the united states to have large features on public land i just don't know how that's going to play out with whoever gets you know control of the greater martis area it's kind yeah. of a big question mark yeah. so, so with this with this conversation going then listeners that do like to hit big jumps and that like to support tdu as the Martis conversation evolves, like what are the things that people can do to, to, to say, hey, I support TDU by raising their hand and saying that they want to be the stewards of that trail network? Like what, how do you see people being able to sort of effectively help that outcome? Mad and Sky, do, do, do you see a way forward with that? Yeah, I mean, the more case studies that you could gather, right? Like of all these areas that have managed to do it. I mean, you look at Bentonville, I saw a picture the other day of like a 20 foot step down that lands on like a rock plated armor landing, like perfectly done, you know, and that's on public land. So, I mean, that's a good case study. Bellingham's a wonderful case study for it. Okay. And what, but I'm maybe sort of leaning more into like the people that live here locally, like how can they get involved with TDU and, and maybe let their voice be heard that if, if Martis comes, if the change comes, like how do people get involved in it to, to, make it so that TDU can be the stewards of that trail network. Because I'd, I'd love nothing more than to see that. Oh, well, this, this, yeah, support the state parks project right now. Come out okay. when we, when we call you out in early November, snow, snow, you know, uh, snow flurries dependent. You guys like, have a trail, trail we're day hoping, scheduled. Yeah, we're, we're hoping to get the green light and to have our first work day on JP's trail before we get shut down for winter. Cool. You know come out because we're building a case study example right there right of, of what we can do working collaboratively obviously mm -hmm. it's not big jumps we want to preserve jp's trail as a piece of mountain bike history built in 1991 yep. purpose built in 1991 so I've, i'm working on a nice little a neat little story right now i have a you know a catalog from my first mountain bike that i rode in I believe it was actually 1993, but it was second. It was a second. I was second owner to that bike, so I have this epic catalog from 1991 of like the the Raleigh John Tomac Pro model, 
I didn't have that bike. I had like the way more budget, you know, six, six bikes down. I don't the, think anybody had that list. actual bike. It was like, they made 10 of them and they were like 8,000 bucks in 1991. <laughs> they were so sweet though. That Mag 21. Mac had four of those eight. That Mag 21, you know, shock. And then like the 120 millimeter, uh, stem, you know, and the tight tie build, you know, uh, top and down tubes with the, was it aluminum that held it together? Yes, a bar ends on that thing. Yeah. Right, right. 26 inch handlebars. And, and Sky has a neat story too. Uh, and he also has a bike, a soft ride of that era. Oh, and so we, we kind of think that, you know, working to preserve, you know, JP's trail and to solidify ex his existence, its existence as a trail for mountain biking is a, a just a killer portrait of mountain biking. It's a piece of mountain no, biking. It history. is a piece of history for sure. Yeah. I, I remember talking to Johnny about it and he said it took him a couple of years to build that trail. 10. <laughs> like 10. <laughs> 10 years to build three miles of trail. And, and, and then now, like if you guys get your 50 volunteers to show up, you know, you'll bang it out. That's yeah. uh, it's, it's wild how much that's changed. It's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, and it's it's not rocket science, right? It's manual labor. And if you can if you can direct the labor with experienced crew leaders and keep it moving and keep people engaged. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to create this killer recipe. You're moving around different workstations, be it harvesting materials, gathering rocks, digging, filling wheelbarrows, but you're you're teaming up there's incredible conversation you're connecting with other people you're in the force you're getting things done and we circle through the different stations so we're, people are moving the experience is evolving kids are joining us adults are joining us yep. and then people are coming back time and time again and are now progressing through the ranks and becoming potential crew leaders and that's what we wanted to create was this sort of breeding ground for for trail building labor and it's labor that we all want to give and the community can therefore receive it. And, and we benefit through these, these awesome trail experiences. Yeah. There's something really cool about being able to work on a feature that you had a hand in. And then the next time you ride it, you, totally. you, you, have, you, you feel like you own a little something there. And there's, and there, there's just something more rewarding about it. And you and share that, that story way. with all your friends, and then they also all stop yep. to kick a rock off the trail. Like if yep. this summer when Sky was gone, I don't know if you know this about Sky, he will not ride by a rock on the trail, like a boulder, like a baby head loose boulder, <laughs> sketchy one. I'm the guy that like goes by it at like 90 miles an hour and sort of tries to whip it with my tire, but almost <laughs> crashes and keeps going. And it's just pegged, like frothing, you know, ah, yep. all Powbot style, you know? And Sky's like, oh, gotta stop here. There's a little rock. He kicks it off. And this summer he was gone for like three weeks, was it? There's all these rocks in the trail. Dude. And so if there's one thing I can share with everybody here, like kick the rock off the trail. Like if we all did that or picked a stick yep. up, like yep. it is exponential yeah absolutely someone should have picked that stick up earlier this summer that got caught my front tire <laughs> <laughs> my worst crash of the year you did pick Scott, it up Scott, your where, wheel where, where were you buddy oh man i was gone <laughs> I, that, I, I, that is one of the things about the the trail you know the volunteer group people don't look at themselves or consider themselves trail builders but with enough information out there and a place for them to go and their friends go then they go and they just learn that dude get on the dumb end of that shovel and start filling the wheelbarrow yeah. <laughs> you know we're gonna have a good time and you're gonna have a good time and then we're all gonna get to ride this feature together 
that is inspiring to people and more and more people come every time. The, there is a funny footnote I want to add to that, Greg, because right when you said that, there's this, this, there's this uh, group, you know, it's this one person, two person, three person here or there, they show up and, and they've got these ideas, you know, like, oh, let's do this bank to the right and let's build this jump. And I'm like, get some rocks, get the dirt, make a pile here. I'm on a pile six feet tall before you talk to me in 10 minutes. And like, and then I'm like, who's going to shape the trail? It's Johnny. Johnny's the shaper, you know, yeah. maybe Rob, Joel, Sky, in that order, you know, it's like, but it's, Johnny has really, it hasn't been easy for him, I know, he's, he's, he's ruffled some feathers, some folks like Goddard and, and other guys in the community would come out and say, man, I built this jump and Johnny decommissioned it. Johnny is the visionary, he holds that close to heart, and he's the one that's making sure that that trail specifically lives up to that. Yep. And so as soon as you start shaping stuff, just know that tomorrow Johnny will have already been out there five times and fixed it six different ways from Sunday. So we're not really, you know, the volunteer trail force is a material crew. We, we assemble massive amounts of materials and, and just provide the brute force labor. We learn a lot. We learn from these guys that have been shaping for 30 years. I feel like I could build a trail now. It's been three and a half years. I've been spending quite a bit of time with Sky and Rob and Johnny and Joel, uh, and and I feel like I could finally build a really sweet trail from start to finish, you know. But it's you're I, still in the wax on wax off phase. Totally, too. I'm still. I haven't even literally like I haven't even you know built a future. But I, I know Paint the I've been studying them, you know. Um, well, thanks. I'm, let's give Johnny a real shout out then because like he, he he's such yeah. a character. We we I'll say we tried to get him on the show. But he's such a core lord that he doesn't even own a cell phone, and he—he's like, he, he's like a podcast. What is he, that? Yeah, I've he, never even heard of a podcast. He had his Why reservations about coming on the show because it did have it in it involved technology and, and the internet and the internet yeah, and the internet. And we tried to explain to him that it's basically like a radio show on the internet <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> But, you know, and he's like, I don't know, man, like he is such a legend and his trails building is so good. Like it is, it has a BMX feel to it that everyone can kind of relate to. It really makes you that like 10 year old kid again, when you used to like, I had a jump that I built in my backyard and I'd hit it over and over again. But Johnny's trail is that jump again and again and again for like eight miles. Yeah. And that's a bit, something that's very special and unique. And, and I love the fact that you guys are, have been supporting him and, and have, have him, ha, that you basically have his back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, the dude's just a legend. I want to give a, um, so for listeners who would like to read more about Johnny, cause Johnny's yeah, story right. is so interesting. I mean, he's a real character. I mean, he's kept 30 years of calendars. So like he's got like the train calendar, the hot rod calendar, the, you know, the, the, the orca whale calendar, the nudie calendar, the, the neon nineties, like, you know, mountain biker calendar. And he documented every single day. He skied pow, he rode his bike, he worked on trail, who he worked on the trails with. Like he has 30 years of documented history building in Coldstream Canyon. And so I wrote a story about Johnny in Freehub Magazine. It's uh, issue 13.4. So if you want to learn more about Johnny Benda and the genesis of him as a character and how he plays into the culture of Truckee, 
look, go grab a copy of be better yet, become a subscriber of free hub magazine. If you aren't already help support not only guys like Johnny, but writers like myself <laughs> For you sure. know, and, and learn a little bit more about the history of, of that, that guy, because it's super fast. He's the king of high fives. And I'll yeah. tell he's the, you know, he doesn't have a cell phone or an Apple computer or whatever, but he is genuinely the happiest person that I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. So I, I like where this is going right now because it was part, one of my notes that I made on this was to ask you guys, what is your favorite memory of Johnny riding out there with him over all these years? Does that, does everyone have a good memory that they want to share? Because I know I do. Mm-hmm. I, I, for it's me, it's just, I've ran into him many times. I'm coming down postcard bluff and he's just sort of sitting off the side of the trail. Like no, with nobody, no, no purpose, just sort of up there taking in that view, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, and this was for years before I ever really got to know him well. And that's my one, you know, sort of like that spot. Every time I cross it, I kind of expect to see him and when I don't, it doesn't feel right, you know? Yeah, cool. I would just say in general, like, kind of the joy on his face when his buddies roll up when he thinks he's digging alone for that day (laughs) and you just happen to show up with maybe a couple beers in the backpack or something just the like total genuine joy from that guy to like share the experience and to be out there with a friend and you know he just he's all in on trail building and i don't know that that's ever going to change they're going to have to wheel him out of there one of these days he's there every day yeah Yeah, that's that's my memory more than anything is the you know hundred times that i've probably in the first few years of riding yogi and seeing him and a couple of the other boys with their shit kind of stashed in the woods (laughs) and you're riding along and it's like oh sorry you guys am i in the way no no you're good dude just hit that thing and you know then you're like who was that? And like, it probably took me a year of riding before I actually stopped and introduced myself. Yep. You know? I think we all had that experience of riding past him and then, and maybe giving him a high five. And then, and then it took us all a long time to get to know him. Yeah. What a legend. So my, my favorite, I have, I have a couple, but you know, I think there was all those times I would run into him and high five. And there was one particular time where I ran into him at the top of Yogi on a really good fall day after a rain. And I got to follow his wheel all the way down. And it was back in the day when it was Yogi One. There were the, everything else didn't exist. And we went and hit Yogi One and, and Picnic Table Rock was still in existence. And it's the one and only time I ever hit it. And I was on Johnny's wheel. And I got to follow him up and over that future. And like, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was just, just a memorable day. And then I had another fun day. I think I remember I bumped into him at the top of Jellystone. And Chris was raking the trail, <laughs> like perfect. It was like, it was like a groomer. It was like, it's like when you go up on a ski resort and you have a, you're the first person to hit a fresh groomer. And Johnny and I had pretty much gotten up there at the same time, but Chris was still working the trail and we turned around and got to shred it together. And it's, I just have the best memories of riding those trails. Like it's, it's really a special place. So cheers to Johnny. Thanks bud. Yeah, Johnny. Sky recently dug up some old photos of Johnny that we're kind of holding. <laughs> 
close to the cuff right now, but we're going to leak him one of these days. Oh, nice. Cool. And they're like, yeah. you can just see the genesis of his character in his early, in his youth, you know? Was, it, was he wearing tight-fitting clothing? Like yeah. sort of tight-fitting bells with like a tummy <laughs> cheek. I mean, there's nobody more metal than that guy that I know anyways. <laughs> and he, uh, but yeah, his his background was BMX, right? And, yeah, and mini yeah. ramps and and. Just SoCal scene. SoCal. Yeah. And, yeah. and like he, yeah. that just is what he wants to manifest there in that network is yeah. that, that mini ramp fun, like perfect, like little tranny pockets. But, you know, you just don't need that much speed. Everything is like, I love it because you don't feel like you're putting your life at risk. Yeah. And yet yeah. Yeah. you are in a way, right? Anytime there's velocity, speed and air and there's granite. Yeah. But, sure um, and trees, yeah. And trees, you know. <laughs> but over there, it's like it's the trail speed and, and sort of the language of the trail. It's all real logical. Yeah. It feels wonderful. And when you get done, you're not like white knuckle and 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 fully puckered up. You're just high fives and fist bumps and stoked. Let's do another lap. And that's what he's cultivated. Yeah. Well, we need to bring this episode to a close, but... Before we close, Tom, is there any kind of closing questions or anything that you wanted to throw out before we wrap this up? Uh, I guess just maybe to have these guys, if, if TDU has any more volunteer days coming up, let's give that a shout out. It sounds like you do. We're, uh, yeah, we've, we've been trying to get one together, uh, and it looks like we're going to be doing, there's potential for two more days. One of them on, on Jackass proper, just we want to get in there and have some more fun. And maybe reboot the sort of, you know, I would call it the, the sort of upper middle section. And then uh, a second follow-up to that in early November on JP's trail, pending green light, you know. So cool. those two things, in addition uh, on Jackass, we want to have like an end-of-season barbecue out there. So we're looking at pulling together like sort of some party lap barbecue experiences to be had. That sounds like my kind of party. And how can people find out about that? Just uh, Yeah, just tune into our, obviously, our Instagram. We hit everything there. We, we're really focused. So we, we invest our time on Instagram, and then we send it out to our email list. So if you subscribe to either of those platforms, you're going to get it at the same time. Okay. And what is your Instagram handle? Truckee Dirt Union. Okay, cool. And our website is truckeedirtunion.org. Okay. Simple. I like that. Thanks, guys. Making well, single track rad. Yeah, single so track single radness. track radness is the uh, ethos or the mantra. Where does that come from, by the way? I wanted to get that question in. We were, you know, when we first launched the Truckee Dirt Union, we were looking for an, a, a cool voice piece to sort of carry the energy, right? Yeah. And uh, Sky came up, you know, came to me and he had like sort of scratched this on a piece of paper and he's like, hey, this is like Johnny's thing. It's single track radness. You know, and so that's where it was sort of born from. We just immediately were like, oh, that's it. Where there was no second guessing. Right, right. We never thought about it. Oh, should we ask Johnny, like, if we can use his slogan, you know? But, uh, and it, it, I think it immediately it went off and just went Richter, right? It was so much fun. And I think Johnny is super stoked to see it. And even now, like, we have a beer collab with Alibi. They created, right. they brewed, we're on our second batch, the first cool. batch of single track radness sold out. Yep. And it sold out so fast, we never were even able to get it ourselves. <laughs> it was like it launched in perfect timing right before the 4th of July. We had a sellout event at Alibi, and it was incredible. And then 
we sort of got lost in the weeds and we just we just released the second batch maybe two weeks ago okay and alibi like made sure they dropped off five cases for us they're like matt we're gonna get this dialed you know (laughs) and uh you can you can purchase that beer now over at rayleigh's and we're hoping to get into some other establishments like new moon and uh, up at cottonwood some of our other like business you know community business supporters who want to spread the you know the name and 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 get our our beer into the hands of other folks it is delicious we tried to kind of create that perfect post-ride crushable pale ale and it it is it's absolutely delicious cool well speaking of uh uh mantras mind the track the name of this podcast i want to go around the horn here and start with matt put him on on the spot so that you guys can have a minute to think about it but what, is, what comes to mind when you hear the phrase, mind the track? What do you think of? For me, I think of everything that I put into my, you know, my experiences in the outdoors. And, and granted, I'm at a place now where I've had some doozies. You know, and, and I think that mind the track for me is, you know, I, I want to be this wise sage, this mountain goat, you know, eventually. And I feel like I'm earning each step along the way and uh, every experience that I have builds upon that. I will say like even yesterday I went for a really epic ride from Mill Pond and Gray Eagle up Mount Elwell and, and back down and and after a year ago having a sort of a life-threatening experience in the woods just 400 feet from my doorstep I, I sort of had some notes going into it you know like I took a couple of things and I had some communication with my companion that I was riding with and you know, where we were at, what we were doing, how we were riding this space and, and like what he had, he had a bivy sack, he had like a a first aid kit, just some basic stuff, you know, and all of those things come to mind to me now. And that's what I think of when you say mind the track is just uh, being respectful and and respecting, you know, organic life and, and, and the wild environment Mm -hmm. and, and all of those things that go into that to create a responsible experience for myself so that I can make it back home and be there for my family. Nice. Sky, what about you? Hmm. Mind the track. I guess uh, I would say, where are you going? What's your track? You know, what do you love about mountain biking? What do you love about backcountry skiing? And why are you here? Why, why are, what are you trying to achieve for yourself? Nice. Greg? Yeah, I think it's, you know, mind the track, the mindfulness of being in the outdoors, um, not taking it for granted, you know, having respect for the people that built it and enjoy it. Nice. Good stuff. Beautiful. Well, guys, thanks so much for having us here at Gray's Cabin. It was a great conversation about trails about history in the future and and what tdu is all about um it's been great to get some insight um tom any closing thoughts just uh keep it up boys keep building rad trail and uh i look forward to riding it and and coming out and helping you boys take a little bit and and making it making it better every day it's good stuff right on yeah thank you thanks guys absolutely well thanks everyone for listening to episode number 22 of Mind the Track, all about the Truckee Dirt Union. Thanks to Matt Chapel, Sky Alsop, and Greg Forsyth for joining us. And until next time, get out there, get deep, 
and put your mind in the track. <laughs>